Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Tampa Bay Lightning had a boat parade. They had a reception at Raymond James, and they drank from Lord Stanley's Cup. And they drank, and they drank, and they let other people drink from it as well. The cup runneth over in a celebration of the third world title in Tampa Bay history. Anybody hung over? The Rays sweep the Blue Jays in their best of three series with an 8-2 win. Now it's on to San Diego for their best of five series in the American League Division playoffs against either the Yankees or the Indians, who are still playing as we do this podcast late at night. And the Bucks will be without Chris Godwin for the next two games. They may not have Scotty Miller Sunday either. Can Mike Evans shoulder this entire load? We have all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. You know, Steve, when you're on these boat parades and you're having all this kind of thing, this celebration, there's going to be a bunch of guys now, a little bit of drinking involved. They're going to be hungry. They're going to they're gonna want food. They're going to have to gonna have to fuel the tank up again. And there's only one place they should go, Mr. Empanada. Oh, that would have been tasty on those boats, man. Oh, can you imagine? They got the best party platters anywhere if you're catering in Tampa Bay. Now, what's what's an empanada if you haven't had one? Well, just imagine taking your favorite food, okay, and placing it inside the pocket of a delicious homemade dough that is cooked perfectly until it's golden brown and piping hot. Uh, I mean, you know, empanadas are a, a really a fresh twist on old favorites, and they also have other delicious menu items that are made from scratch, including soups and salads and Cuban sandwiches. You can get them online at mrempanada.com, or you can call any one of their seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay, where Latin food and quality and service meet Mr. Empanada. I don't know what can only be described as uh, one of the better celebrations in Tampa Bay history. I mean, there's only been three of these, right? It's a once-in-a-16-year party. <laughs> yeah, and, they, and let me tell you, they, um, they came loaded for beverages for that once-in-16-years this thing, it started with the boat parade, which, by the way, if you're going to have a boat parade, you might want to give yourself a little extra time. <laughs> this thing was so slow um, because, you know, there were a lot of boats first and foremost. And, and just, you know, all the, all the guys you got to get on and off and, and, and the fans that were lining the waterways and the boats in, in the river and all that. So they ended up at Rick's on the river. And then there probably was a little bit of drinking involved there, I would imagine. Yeah, then it was on to Raymond James, where people had been sitting for a, at least an hour and a half to two hours um, over what was supposed to be the starting time. But when they got there, Steve, this was, this was one of the coolest things I've seen. I thought the Lightning did a great job organizing this event. Uh, what was it, about 15,000 or so in Raymond James? Yeah, I don't know if they gave a number, but I'm guessing it was that 15, 16, around what the Bucks are probably going to allow when we get to the Packers game. Right, and it was, I mean, it was a very lively crowd, real socially distanced, but extremely uh, festive and, and, and noisy. Um, and, you know, each each person that spoke, um, everyone from Rick Peckham, who did the, you know, sort of the moderated the whole thing, and 
Uh, of course, Jeffrey Venick, um, a lot of the players, not all of them. The star of the show, the star of the day. Well, the first, guy, first of all, first of all, if you had to sit there and say, who's going to be the star of the show? Yes. Who on the team would you have picked? Me personally? Yeah. yeah I mean, before, um, before seeing I, I would, this. Before yeah, seeing I, would this have, I, mean. I would have said like Yanni Gord, right? I, would, I said uh-huh. like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that would be a good one. Yeah, like Yanni would have been my choice. I think Pat I, Maroon I was an obvious one. Yeah, Pat Maroon because he won one and he's kind of a veteran. He's been he's mm-hmm. been down this road and he was shirtless through most of the night. Yes. Uh, you know he 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 did he held his part. I think Alex Kalorn would have been one you'd have picked before. Yeah, yeah, Kalorn with the you know the the doc talk and all that stuff that he does. Well, he's, he's an kind influencer of, kind now, of a, as I'll tell you. So he's a, he is he truly is an influencer and getting paid well to do it. But yeah, they, they would have been my choice for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Which player would have been near the bottom on your board to interrupt Jeff Vinnick's speech? It would have been one of two Russians. <laughs> it would have been it would have been uh, Vasilevsky uh, or or Nikita Kucherov, who usually ding you know, ding 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 ding. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Nikita Kucherov did his best uh, Ovechkin after he won the Stanley Cup. I've never seen the guy talk about coming out of your shell. Who knew? Who knew that this guy was the one with the lampshade on his head? Um, now, you know, let's be honest. Alcohol was involved. <laughs> so, and from what I could tell, quite a bit. Oh, yeah, but he was having a good time. And it was, it was, he was sitting there egging the crowd on and oh, his hands to great. get louder and he's screaming and he's putting his hands to his ear and, yeah. he's, you know. And pose for pictures like that along the parade route, he, he got into the crowd. Like mm-hmm. he was sharing beers with the crowd. He was taking selfies with the crowd. He was Never doing the same th- thing at Raymond James afterwards when they yes. were, the players and stuff were leaving. There was th- uh, th- uh, lots of fans standing at the, the gates where they were leaving by, and he Ooh, was posing out, with yeah. them all. I mean, him and Pat Maroon and Kalorn, and I mean, they oh, were having a great, great time. I mean, and they've earned it. They've earned it. It was fantastic. The party's still going on, and it's going to go on for a while. I don't know for how long. It could be a couple days. It could be a couple weeks. Well, as Alex Kalorn, you know, thanked Governor DeSantis for opening the bars back up just in time for them to come back. But he's <laughs> at American Social now, he announced. Uh, so we could head there right after the podcast. I'm sure it's still going on. <laughs> I think it's going to be going on for a while. There's no question. It was cool to see. And, um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned Kucherov, and he, he was the guy that was the uh, – uh, the having the most fun perhaps but uh, when jeffrey venick when you have enough chutzpah or maybe inebriation to go up when the owner is speaking to the crowd at raymond james and and bring a beer with you that you then help pour down his <laughs> mouth <laughs> it was the i mean good good for venick because he was a good sport about it he went along but he just he did oh. it when he just he just mentioned cooch i think he loved it I think I think Jeff Vinnick is loving this. Uh, you know, and the oh, only thing that stunk is he couldn't be there in Edmonton to raise the cup then. But of course, of course, yeah, he is enjoying and this. You know what I was thinking because I watched these guys arrive, you know, a night ago, and and just the families and the children and all the, you know, sixty five days in, a, in in the so called bubble. Had somebody write me by the way, just real quick to address this. Um, I was a fan of the podcast, and you know, I think. I think yesterday or la- yesterday I was on the podcast I said something about the sacrifice use the word sacrifice that these guys made um you know because of the pandemic they had to go into the bubble they were away from their families they missed 
birthdays. They missed uh, sporting events. They missed anniversaries. I mean, they missed a lot of things, right? Uh, and so I was just talking about how, you know, maybe this is one of the hardest championships to win anyway, and this one was special because of what they had to sacrifice. And this person seemed to think that the word sacrifice is reserved only for the military and those that, you know, aren't staying in five-star hotels getting paid millions of dollars. Um, let's keep things in perspective. I was in no way comparing that. I mean, you know, what these guys did from an athletic and a personal standpoint is something that most professional athletes or people in general aren't asked to do. Certainly the military is, is a different kind of service altogether, all and we're not, we're not saying that. But what was interesting is well, it's, in much, addition, it's much like when you say warriors on the field and things like that. It's not yeah, to, and you're I, not and comparing t- them to the military by any means. But it, no, it's, no, it's a battle. I tend to stay away from like that, from but, battle yeah. terms like a battle or war or it was a you know he's a war. I don't, I don't usually say that. The word sacrifice can mean anything. It can mean giving yourself up as a hitter to bunt and move the runner over. You know, I mean, like it can mean a lot of things. Um, but it wasn't meant that way. Uh, but however, these guys were away from their family. So yesterday was sort of about reuniting with uh, your loved ones and the children and all that. And today, what struck me, uh, as I say today, it's it's obviously late Wednesday night when we're doing Thursday's podcast. But uh, on Wednesday, what struck me was during the whole thing that these are athletes that won a championship and they haven't seen any of their fans. They haven't seen, hell, they haven't seen any people outside of those that were in the bubble. I mean, think about that. So all the faces that they know here in Tampa, uh, the fans certainly that they had not been around, they got to feel what it meant to this community. And the community got to give that to them um, rather than what they would have gotten in real time, of course, if they had been playing these games uh, at home, or home ice, or, or even on the road. So, um, I thought that was cool. You could see, sort of, you know, how how needy they were for that uh, affirmation, and 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 that that you know they kept Kucherov in particular kept saying more, more, more. You know, scream louder, and they were very loud, and they were very appreciative. And there's just so many fans. Um, and I think Vinick mentioned this. It is a shame um, in many ways that, uh, you know, this had to happen during the pandemic. I mean, it's great that it happened. Um, but there there was a lot of memories um, that, that were made. They were just made in our living rooms. They were made like my girls jumping up and down rather than at an arena where we could have all shared it together. Um, but nonetheless, I think they were trying to make up for all that lost time in one night, um, in, in one boat parade, which was uniquely Tampa, right? I mean, I, we've seen, like in Boston, you know, the the what are they, the duck uh, boats and things like that that roll down the middle, the middle of the road um, and whatnot. But uh, to have a boat parade on the river uh, in Tampa uh, is is uniquely Tampa, and I thought that was really cool. No, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, the only thing that would have been better is if it would have been on jet skis, like in the <laughs> right. video. But I think with all the alcohol <laughs> consumed, probably not a good idea. Yeah, probably illegal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we didn't want anybody to get hurt. But I'm sure, I'm sure that video is coming. By the way, if you recall the, uh, you know, during the pandemic when they had the boys are back in town, mm-hmm. um, and they they all picked each other up and uh, went on the jet skis, and I'm sure we're going to see a a, re- a repeat of that. Uh, in fact, Alex Kalorn with his doc talk uh, kind of uh, out loud lobbied for Tom Brady to come to his talk one day. Apparently that hasn't happened yet. 
really interesting that you know Raymond James. I got to thinking about it. There has not been a crowd of any kind in there since all of this started. And isn't it funny or ironic? Don't you think that the first group of fans that went in uh, were there for the Tampa Bay Lightning and not for the Bucks or not for USF? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, Greg Wolf actually before the team got there and the festivities were delayed because of the boat parade going long. But right. he did mention that hey, this is the first time there's been fans in here since before the pandemic. So yeah. Really a unique experience, and they did just such a great job with the, even at the end, you know, with the pyrotechnics and, um, you know, the streamers and the the, the confetti that fell and, and all of that. Um, but some really, really heartfelt speeches and moments, um, you know, I mean, Victor Hedman is so humble, you know, um, and, and overwhelmed by winning it. But Steven Stamkos, how, how it is just, again, wonderful to relive him being able to play and, and and or and score, um, even though it was like two minutes and what forty seven seconds or something like that in one game, um, but you could see what he meant to this team, and you could see, I mean, joy, just pure joy, but also relief. I mean, this is a guy who who needed really one thing for validation of his Hall of Fame career, and that was the Stanley Cup, and. You know, if and I don't know the status of his injury. We all know that he's a tough guy and he'll do everything he can to play again. And let's hope he has still a number of years left in the NHL. But if he didn't, if this was his his last hurrah, right? Um, he 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 put in the final piece of the puzzle to his career, and you could see that on his face. You could see almost disbelief that that he had actually climbed that mountain and was standing on top of it. I, I, it's just so many stories on this hockey team that were great, and they all kind of played out, you know, in front of us. Well, and he even talked about, you know, through this, you know, rehabbing process, it was extremely difficult on him and his family and that, and that the the team winning on the ice was inspiring to him and kept pushing mm-hmm. him and, and got him to get back and to play that two minutes and 47 seconds in game three of the right. final and, and score that goal that will right. forever be remembered. Yeah. Now, one of the iconic – Iconic memories of uh, of Tampa Bay sports, um, the, you know, and and then I thought something Venick said struck with me as well. We were talking about Kucherov and guys like um, you know Andre Vasilevsky and and uh, some of them, uh, and, and what he said was, you know, these guys sixty five days without their families, without so much uh, fandom and all of that, and most of these guys came home to girls and wi- girlfriends and wives and uh, brothers and sisters. A number of players had nobody with them. You know, a number of players uh, don't necessarily live here in the off season, and some like Vassy and Cooch uh, didn't have any family with them. Um, so for those guys, the family were you know the rest of the teammates. They were their brothers, and there is nothing. I mean, when you're a world champion, um, you know that's forever. You know that 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 group of guys that from you know the first guy on the roster to the last. You're bonded now by history. Your name's going on that cup. And as Anderchuk said, he goes, you know, uh, it takes, how many years did he say? Like 60 years for your name to come off the cup because of the number of championships that are won after you? Yeah. It takes <laughs> he about that long. He goes, you guys will all be dead. <laughs> you guys will all be dead by then. Um, so that was interesting. But, yeah, man, just – and you wonder, you know, the core of this team, is it too early to talk about it? because it's the hardest thing to win. So how do you do it twice would be nice. 
Um, the core of this team is going to be together, and barring injuries, every year is different. This team will never be together again in, in the exact form that it is now. But there's certainly going to be enough enough players and, and a great goaltender and um, you know some unbelievably skilled guys in Point and Kucherov and others that you know, they still could have a pretty good window here with John Cooper as coach to, to try to at least get back in these playoffs and press for another Stanley Cup run. They've got some hard decisions to make this offseason because mm-hmm. you've got a flat cap, which no one was expecting. Mm-hmm. You've got three restricted free agents you need to resign that are going to get big raises. Anthony Sorelli, Mikhail Sergachev, and Eric Chernak. Mm-hmm. So they've got some, and they were already at the cap limit, essentially, or pretty close. So they've got some decisions to make. Um, they're going to have to move a co- big contract or two, most likely. Um, most of them, of the big contracts, have no trade clauses, so they're going to have to either get permission or the one that doesn't is is Alex Kalorn. He ends up, this this year he'll change to a modified no trade clause, which I think he gives a list of 16 teams that he would agree to be traded to or wouldn't agree to. One of the, I forget how it is, which, which way it is, but essentially about half the teams. He can say, I, I don't want to go or I would go. Um, so his contract's likely to get moved this offseason, and not much like JT Miller last year, not mm-hmm. because you want to move it. It's, it's purely an economic. When you win, people, the players want to get paid. You've got really good players, and they're going to get paid. And so you have to make some financial decisions along the way. Every team goes through this in a salary cap league. The other difficult thing is that they mortgage a good part of their future for this cup. They would do it again. Don't don't mistake that. But look, Julian Breezebois gave up some first-round picks now. He had two and of them this year, and he's got none now. That's right. And so that, you know, that currency is going to come back to bite them because that that's the future core of your team. You mm-hmm. know, you talk about guys like Stamkos and Hedman. Um, you know, they had to draft those guys. I mean, those guys, mm-hmm. you know, came fairly fairly high. And so, you know, that that's where you find players for the most part. Well, you, ho- you hope your track record and you, a lot of your scouting department and your sure. player development department are the same and it has been for many years here. But, sure, you know. Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, Andre Palat, Tyler Johnson. These guys are not first-round draft picks. No. That's the, Lightning, the Lightning's success has been because they have found guys in the second, third, fourth, seventh round and undrafted players like Tyler Johnson. When you find those guys and can develop them into the type of players they are now, that's how you – I mean, first-round draft picks are great, but if you actually look back, as, as great as Steve Eiserman was at helping build this team, and the draft picks, and we talk about them all the time, their, their farm system of players that have come up, they've done pretty poorly at first-round draft picks overall. Most of them haven't panned out for them. Andre Vasilevsky's an exception. And, and, and there's, you know, but it's, it's, those, it's those steals in the third round and seventh round and sixth round where they find a player that way outperforms what he's projected to be in the NHL. And, you know, they're really good at finding guys that have the right makeup to get better. Braden Point, you know, the, the knock on him is he was too small and couldn't skate. Well, he's worked his tail off, and now he's one of the best skaters in the NHL, one of the fastest, mm-hmm. and it's because he worked Fast. at it. And they, you know, they found a guy that a lot of people wrote off because of his size and because he couldn't skate, and they said, this guy's got the right makeup. The, you know, they actually, there's a story that, you know, they were scouting somebody else, and they, they went to, a, you know, a, a, one of the junior games. And we're scouting somebody else, and Braden Point just kept 
just kept going back to Braden Point on the ice. And, and he wasn't the biggest, wasn't the fastest, but he had that hockey IQ in the sense, and the puck was always on a stick. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so all of a sudden they started scouting him, and that's why they ended up drafting him. And they actually, so, you know, you can make an argument, the greatest trade in, in Lightning history is they actually traded a, I'm not going to remember the pick, he was taken in the third round, I believe. They actually traded up one spot to make sure they got him. Because they thought Minnesota might take him, and Minnesota had two guys on their board, so they traded like a fifth round pick or sixth round pick that draft to move up one spot, and they yeah. got Braden Point. Yeah, it's a great story, tremendous player, and, and um, you know, look, just enjoy this one because it's been fifteen years, right? Since um, what their last sixteen two thousand four sixteen years two thousand four, the Bucks since oh two. You know, that's 18 years. Who knows if you'll ever see them again. The Rays went to the World Series in, uh, I want to say, what year was that? 08, uh, 12 years ago. 2008, that's right, 12 years ago. So, yeah, and I mean, look, you can go to cities like Chicago and others that waited 107 years for a World Series title. Um, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, our kids are old enough to really enjoy this this uh, Stanley Cup uh, championship. But who knows if they'll ever see, you know, mm-hmm. before they have grandchildren, if they'll ever see it again. I mean, it's just, you know, it's so hard to do. And yet I I always say this, though, Steve, and, and, and I think it's true in all sports, right? There's a reason why the, the L.A. Lakers, the, the you know, the Boston Celtics to some degree. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Um, back in the day when Eddie DeBarlo owned the 49ers and even now John York and and Denise, uh, Mr. D's sister, uh, but uh, obviously Robert Kraft uh, with with the New England Patriots. Good organizations really do start from the top down. It starts with the owner ownership, and they're really you know for all the hey we got to change the culture and we got to bring in this player or that player to help change or this coach. It's really about the ownership. The ownership is the culture. And you, you know, you have to hire the best people. You have to treat them the best. You have to give them the best tools. And you've got to know a little. You got to know where to find those people too. You know, you have to be organized enough and have enough connections in in the business. Most of these people uh, didn't make their money in pro sports. They made their money elsewhere, but they bought a pro sports team. So you got to know um, who you should hire. Guys like Steve Eiserman, guys like Julian Brisebois, um, that can build your hockey club and. You know, Jeffrey Vinnick has given them every opportunity, been great for this community, obviously put millions of his own dollars into upgrading Amelie Arena. Uh, everything he did was first class, and believe me, that makes a difference um, when you're trying to find that edge to win a championship in any sport. It just does. And, and you can tell the organizations that are on it, and you can tell the ones that are just sort of, you know, the others in the league but not – not really doing everything you need to do. And, and I'm talking, you know, from, you know, the lunchroom to, you know, the guy that, that uh, you know, is on the Zamboni or, or in football mows the grass. I mean, you have to have people mm-hmm. that, you know, that know how to win, know how to do their job and do it better than anybody else. And typically, if it's a good ownership, they, they reward those people. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, they place a premium on those that do really good jobs. They take care of them. They know their families. They take care of their families. They make sure 
that that employee has everything they need to do a good job. And, you know, Venick, Venick is just a tremendous, tremendous owner. Well, how and, many and players he, tonight mentioned? Oh. Him? And then they started chanting Jeff Reed, Jeff Reed. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And it was heartfelt. Like, mm-hmm. you can tell, you know, like you can't, you really don't get that. You don't get that from many ownership groups. And, you know, the ones that do care, it, it's it's certainly a warm feeling. So um, Tampa Bay is really lucky to have him as an owner. I mean, they really are. And he was voted, I believe, the Lightning one year, and I don't know the – the periodical or, or the poll, but I believe the lightning were voted um, maybe the, the best organization in it professional ESPN sports. ESPN, the magazine. I think it was three years ago now. Yeah. They've stopped yeah. doing it since. So they were actually the last team to win that award. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Incredible. they would, every year they would rank teams and it was based on not just on ice or on field things, performance, yeah. but customer Fans service are, scores and, you know, the, you know, your facilities and just, you know, your fan base. It was based on a lot of different things, but yeah, the last year they did it, uh, the lightning were number one. Yeah. So just incredible. I, I imagine there's going to be some tired kids in school tomorrow. <laughs> uh, mine included. And, and yeah, hello. And I'm trying to explain to my sons and, and I'll keep explaining just, you know, how much I hope they appreciate going to that tonight because they, you know, I, I told them, I said, you know, this doesn't happen all the time. And you know, no. you're young and you think it does. I said, this is the first one of these I've ever been to mm. in my life. I mean, I've had a yeah. few teams I've root for win stuff, but I, you know, I was younger and whatever else, but I'd never been to the celebration like this. This is the first one I've ever got to go to. And it was incredible wow. and awesome. And I loved yeah. it. But, you know, it, and I'm, I'm, tr- I'm hoping to get, you know, that they'll appreciate it. And they're too young to really do it, but. You know, it is special, and that's what I tell you know other people too. It's you know you're not guaranteed this next year or the year after or the next 16 years. It took 16 years for Tampa Bay to get another one, and you know there are teams in hockey that have never won the cup. Toronto's a hockey craving market; they haven't won it since 1967. You know that it, this doesn't happen all the time, so enjoy it. And if it happens next year, fantastic. And and you know they have a core that could do it again, but. It's never promised. Just like last year, we thought, you know, a lot of people thought, oh, that Cup's going to Tampa Bay. No no question about it. They're one of the best teams ever. And, you know, they got swept. You never know what happens in sports, which is why we love it. Yeah, it is the ultimate reality show. And, and you know, the fact that they did it when when we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring in our own lives, much less the hockey life, um, is, is really, really something. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So now it's on to... The other team that's trying to fight for a world title, and let me tell you something, um, if you watched the two games against the Toronto Blue Jays, you saw every reason to expect in the formula it would take 
for the Tampa Bay Rays to make it back to the World Series. This is a really, really good baseball team, and the sum of their parts might be better than than their individual um, skills. But you know, at the end of the day, as John Romano wrote in the Tampa Bay Times, it's a this team is about one thing: winning. They've won forty two and lost twenty games. It's incredible uh, for them to carry this sort of momentum into the postseason. And what they did to the Blue Jays was clinical. It was surgery. They, um, you know, got unbelievable pitching from Blake Snell and then again from Tyler Glass now. The bullpen was certainly solid. The defense they've been playing has been stellar. Uh, And then, you know, especially on Wednesday, they just came out and ambushed the Toronto Blue Jays with hits, with big hits. Um, You know, it it, it was, and of course, a grand slam by Hunter Renfro sort of put the game out of reach after a a two-out error, by the way. But you know, they looked for all the world and played like the number one seed in the American League. And that's exactly what you want. I mean, you know, and I look, I think a lot of that is last year. They have experience in the playoffs now. And, you yes. know, I think if you, you know, watched last year's playoffs in the first two games, you know, they won the wild card, which was awesome. And then they went to Houston and they looked a little overmatched. And maybe part of it was because you were facing, you know, Garrett Cole and Verlander. But you know, I think it was part of the stage was a little, you know, a little bright for them, and because you mm-hmm. know there it's a lot of young guys that hadn't been there. But I think that experience from last year and then rolling through this season at forty and twenty, they've got confidence, but they also have the some of the experience to go with it, and, and that's a scary combination for other teams. And and just look at what was the New York Post back page today, mm-hmm. and it says if the Yankees get by the Indians, guess who's waiting? The dreaded Rays, and it has a picture <laughs> of them celebrating the today and the Yankees are playing right now and Araldis Chapman gave up a lead in the ninth yeah or a, it was a tie game in the ninth so now they're behind mm-hmm. as as we're taping this it's still going on it's like what six hours later I think in this game but that's correct Yankees involved in very long games that's one of the reasons why I I'm sort of hoping they don't play them because <laughs> those are going to be some late nights uh with their four-hour Yankee games uh, stepping out of the box and all of that but yeah nine to eight as they're in the ninth inning now uh, with a one-run lead over New York. So uh, this series uh, would be tied if uh, Cleveland wins 1-1, so there will would be a game three. Yeah, and then now the Rays get to rest too. So their their arms will all be – they don't play again until, what, Monday? Monday. Mm-hmm. In San Diego. So they go to the bubble in San Diego, but they've got time now, so all their pitchers will be rested. Yep. Uh, you know, Nick Anderson, who we didn't think would pitch in game two, pitched in game two. Yeah, you know, after you know his longest outing of the season in Game One, so right. Uh, but his arm will get some rest. All the arms will get rest, and you know, look in the Rays. You know, you haven't played the Indians this year, but you've owned the Yankees. You're 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 probably in their head right now too. If, if, a little if bit. you end up with the Yankees, yeah, a and, bit. and there's not going to be any home field advantage for them in a playoff game at home. You know, Correct. this is all essentially neutral site games. So any of the you know home field advantage they get from, you know, even playing at the trop and the amount of fans that come out. They don't that's not happening this postseason. So it's just purely Rays versus Yankees. And the Rays right. have had their number for a while. Well, and of course the last series um got ugly and the be- the beanball wars um mostly on the Yankees side, especially with, with Chapman throwing um at some hitters and you know, Kevin Cash's famous statement that, you know, I got a whole stable of guys that can throw 98 down there. And so, you know, you got the T-shirts coming out with four horses in a stable. 
um, that the Rays pitchers are wearing. So it's it's going to be a lot of back and forth and a lot of an extra a lot of fun. Obviously, if it were the Yankees, but um, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, as we're sitting here now, the Cleveland Indians still trying to hold on to that that one run lead. Uh, but I, I, let's just say this too: this baseball team that the Rays have have added some some players and added them recently that are just complete difference makers. And maybe the the one that's the biggest one is Randy Arozarena. I mean, that kid. We've talked about him on this podcast a bunch of times. Man, can he play. Uh, hit, hit with power, run, right, um, and play great defense, has a good arm. I can't find a weakness in him right now. And and for that series against Toronto, he was their MVP. No, he's been – I mean, look, and you know, you thought Jose Martinez was the reason they made that trade for the Cardinals. And, and, right. You know, and, and he was okay, and now they've trade, moved him on. But really, Randy Arozarena was the reason they made the trade. And gave up some prospects, some high level, some high pitching prospects, which the Rays don't often do. So you know what they think of him. You know, for them to give up guys like what Libertor, I think, is one who they traded to, to yeah. St. Louis. If they're giving him up, you know that they're, they're getting something back that they really like, and he's shown why they really liked it. I mean, you know, you, it's it's funny how often we question the Rays front office, and they don't get it right all the time, but they get it right more often than not, which is why they're where they're at from prospects to talent and and the way they they see things in people that you know slight little adjustments and all of a sudden players get a lot better and and they've done this for a a decade or more now here and you know it's just incredible the work they do and how astute they are at this and and figuring out how to get the most out of players and put them in the best positions to succeed and they do it nonstop. but to give up prospects like Libertor to get a Rosarino there's a reason why and he's showing it. And Rosarina might have been there sooner, except that he was in COVID protocol, and you know that that prevented him from making a, more of an impression. And you know he ended up, you know, down there with the rest of the guys, sort of waiting to be called up. And man, when he got his chance, you know, he's just been he's been spectacular. So I feel much better uh, if I was a Rays fan with him in the lineup. Meanwhile, the team that I cover on a daily basis, the Tampa Bay Bucks, they're going to be without Chris Godwin again. Uh, Chris Godwin, at the, at the end of the game in Denver, pulled up with a hamstring, and uh, they did the MRI, and there is there is you know a, a slight tear that needs to be uh, healed up in time, and you know they play Sunday, uh, which is a quick you know the usual turnaround, um, you know this Sunday against the Chargers, but then it's four days later. They're at Chicago against the Bears. So it stands to reason since Godwin can't practice this week, he's not going to do the glorified walkthrough practices next week and try to play in Chicago. Seems like a good time to just say, hey, big fella, take the next couple weeks. We'll come back and see how your hamstring feels. We're going to have to find a way to win games. And that won't be easy because they have other injuries at receiver, starting with Scotty Miller, who has been terrific and one of Brady's most trusted guys. He has a groin and slash, you know, um, hamstring issue himself. And so he did not practice. He's been battling that. And, you know, you're just going to need you're gonna need some guys to step up. Now, maybe that's Justin Watson who missed last week's game because of a shoulder injury, and he's coming back in this one. So he could play a, a vital role. But let's face it, everything is going to run through Mike Evans. Mike Evans has to become that go-to guy that even if you double him, you know the Bucks move him around. Maybe without Godwin not playing in the slot, they can do some things to get him open 
against what has been constant double coverage. But you know what? At the end of the day, the guy is a beast at the goal line. Like, he's almost uncoverable. And that's that's the reason why he has four touchdowns and is tied for the NFL lead right now because, uh, you know, Tom trusts him, gets him the ball in places where only he can catch it, and he and he sort of makes the play. So, you know, all of that has uh, has been pretty pretty impressive. All right, so to, so tomorrow on the podcast we're going to have our exciting and well requested, well uh, sponsored mailbag. And what you have to do is submit your questions. We'll ask answer anything about the Rays, the Bucks, the Lightning, um, college football, you name it. Just send them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. That's at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And, folks, remember, who's got those party platters that you're needing for your catering in Tampa Bay, the best ones ever? It's Mr. Empanada. You want to know what an empanada is? Well, take your favorite foods, place them in a uh, pocket of delicious homemade dough that's cooked perfectly until it's golden brown and piping hot. And, uh, you know, you've got one of the greatest empanadas from Mr. Empanada. I'm going to have to go get them on my own now because now that we're not covering games anymore, Chief's not bringing them in. So <laughs> Chief brought them in for you all the time at the Lightning? He brought, a couple times he brought them in. So that's the first yeah. time I had, as I said last time, the first time I've had them in a long time and uh, forgot how good they were. So Yeah, everything they have is made from scratch. I mean, they got soups and salads and Cuban sandwiches you can get online at MrEmpanada.com. Or you can call uh, any one of the seven convenient locations in Tampa Bay where Latin food, quality, and service meet Mr. Empanada. For Steve Verstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.